Hello and welcome to this episode. This episode is for anyone out there who is parenting and has ahead of them or is currently sitting in the middle of and experiencing what it's like to support and parent and guide and teach and love on our children when they are at the tween and teen years. So this is very relevant and present in my life at the moment. My boys are nine and 11 and we are really starting to see this shift and change in our eldest uh, at this time of his life. And I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of not ready as in, you know, there's this interesting thing that I've experienced in parenting. I wonder if you're the same, if you do have children or you care for children is that you get into these really beautiful stages where things are starting to flow and you feel really capable and competent and you're like, ah, got this all good. And then you kind of forget that the next stage is looming. Uh, the next developmental milestone is about to come and yeah, I was like, oh, that's right. You know, we don't just have the teenage years now. We understand a lot more about what's happening from the ages of nine onwards. So that, you know, nine to, to 13, the tween years, we have a lot more understanding about what's going on inside them, uh, physiologically, emotionally, mentally, what's happening in their brain. And so that's where I found myself. And I shared a little bit on Instagram this week, and I was just kind of inundated by parents saying, oh my God, I had no idea uh, about the information that you shared about how their brains are kind of not functioning at, at capacity at the moment. Um, and, you know, I shared a few things about what we now know and how um, our brain, the, sorry, their brains shut down and go into this state called brain pruning or synaptic pruning. And yeah, I was kind of like, what, doesn't everybody know this? But I guess you wouldn't unless you have gone out and sought some information on how or what's going on in your young person's brain, body, hormones, all of that sort of thing. Or if, yeah, you work in the field like I do. So, you know, my background is in social work and family services. I used to run parenting courses. I learned from some of the most incredible minds about child development and the ages and stages of, you know, childhood and the teenage years and early adulthood. Um, I worked with a lot of teens in high-risk adolescent residential units. Um, and yeah, I, I, I learned a lot back before I had children, you know, it's a different ball game now when you're actually having to implement that, that training and that knowledge uh, with your own child, where there's so much, you know, connection and emotion and you feel like, like this is really important because if I stuff this up, you know, there, there are going to be ramifications because <laughs> this is my child. Anyway, so me sharing a little bit about that and, and um, those of you who follow me on Instagram stories and, and commented, this is an extended kind of answer for you, a little bit more in-depth information than I did just in my story highlights. So let's, let's dive in. I'm just going to share with you today a little bit about brain pruning, what's happening. Um, and yeah, if it's not for you, then you can scroll on by this episode. But when my people ask me for more information, I'm going to try and deliver. Um, so we'll talk about brain pruning. We'll talk about, you know, what is actually happening for them. And I hope that in doing that, you can go, oh my gosh, okay, all these behaviors that I'm seeing now in my tween or early teen, um, 
you know, they're normal, they're developmentally normal. Um, a little side tangent there is that I see in my circles and I hear from a lot of parents where they are concerned and they think that their child is something wrong with their child and they need to go get their child assessed or diagnosed um, when a lot of the behaviors that their child is exhibiting are just really developmentally appropriate and normal. Uh, and so, you know, I think, we're, yeah, there's a lot of education that needs to be done around what's going on for our, for our young people. So we're going to go through that. Um, I also would like to talk to you about, you know, three tips, basically three tips for what I do in situations where there is frustration or conflict or some kind of relationship rupture, or my teen is, is really disconnected from me. You know, something's gone on. There's been, there's been something that needs to be worked through. The sort of top three things that I do, plus a little bonus I'm going to throw in there at the end, um, to help to create connection again and to navigate those kind of rocky moments, those choppy waters together. So hopefully at the end of the day, we are focusing on the the bigger picture and we are focusing on the long-term connection and focusing on maintaining lines of communication and love. So I'm going to, I'm going to share that top three tips and I've got a little bonus thing in there as well. So let's dive in. So if you are a parent and you have a teen or tween and you are experiencing some of these types of uh, behaviors with your young one, um, you're not alone please know you're not alone. This is again, as I said, very, very developmentally normal. And I really like to share the analogy that Maggie Dent. Now, if you have not read Maggie's books, please, please go and read her books. Please follow her on Instagram. Um, you know, listen to her podcast interviews, all of that sort of stuff. Maggie Dent, my favorite book of hers um, is called From Boys to Men because I have two boys, but she has lots of other different um, resources out there that you can tap into. But she talks about the fact that around the around the age of sort of 11 12 right up to kind of 15 she has seen in her many decades of work as well as raising her own sons that it's almost like um, the way young people view the world changes and she talks about it like they're looking at the world through a cracked windscreen whereas previously that windscreen has been really clear and you know, easy to understand and navigate. It's like it cracks, and you know, it it becomes really murky and muddy and difficult for these young people to be able to see the world. And so, things that you have you have done as a parent or carer previously start to have a different impact or start to be taken in maybe not so positive ways. So, um, you know, she writes in her book, your well-meaning gestures of loving kindness, such as when you ask your son as he leaves the house, if he has his jacket, are no longer seen as gestures of loving kindness. They're seen as criticism. And, you know, maybe also, you know, you can think about examples where maybe you ask them to do something really basic around the household that they've always done. And all of a sudden it is absolutely blown out of proportion and it's a huge big deal. And there's stamping of feet and slamming of doors and rolling of eyes. And you're standing there going, what is going on? What is going on? And Maggie also talks about, you know, it'll feel sometimes like your child has been 
the young person has been stolen by aliens. You're like, who is this? Who is this human in my house? And where has my baby gone, basically, (laughs) or my young child gone, right? What also happens with that cracked windscreen is that that young people often look at themselves in a poorer light as well, right? So they're harder on themselves, more likely to be grumpy and moody. You know, there can be, this could be the real start around, you know, some dark thoughts, some negative behaviors and thoughts. Um, and, you know, this is again appropriate because they're now starting to define who they are outside of you, the parent or caregiver who they are when they are experiencing, you know, distance and space from you. And they're trying to find that identity, but they're looking at, as I I said, this metaphor from Maggie, like looking at the world and at themselves through this really distorted, shattered windscreen. And so decision-making through that windscreen is often you know, really off base, right? Decision-making, forgetfulness, just again, it's like their, their brain has gone offline because it has, and I'll explain that in a second. So you might start to see things like um, they just seem to lack any kind of rational thinking skills, like all their rational thinking skills have gone out the window. You might see that they started, you know, risky behavior increases because they're less concerned about getting hurt. Um, because they're not looking at things clearly, they're not thinking about things rationally. They're lo- more likely to be more impulsive, right? And we especially know that the stats show that boys in particular um, are are much more likely to be impulsive and risk takers. Um, you know, they're not thinking about like the future future. They're thinking about what feels good right now. How do I feel good right now? Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't feel good about in the world or about myself. So we're going to look for novelty experiences. We're going we're gonna to look for fun. Uh, we're going to do the risky things, okay? Uh, they're obviously going to be more susceptible to peer and friendship influence. They'll start to become more concerned about their physical appearance. They really want to start to be accepted and to belong. Like all of this stuff is happening. And so all of their decision-making, though, is being made through this cracked windscreen. So, you know, Dr. Daniel Siegel, another person I highly recommend that parents and caregivers read his work and understand what he does. He's got a really great book called Brainstorm. Um, he talks about that the teens' brains increased, sorry, teen brains increased drive for reward in adolescence manifests in teens' lives and is one of the reasons for increased impulsiveness. This is why we need to be really mindful when we ask teenagers, especially teenage boys, the question, what were you thinking after you've made a poor choice? Because they don't know. They don't know what they're thinking and why. Well, another big factor of that is what I call synaptic pruning or let's call it brain pruning. So what happens as the child, you know, after a child is born and they're growing, you know, they're making so many different connections in the world and their brain is firing off and making what we call Um, neural pathways or, you know, there's a lot of synapses that are connecting and that helps them understand their world. Well, what happens around the age of 10, 11, 12 is that the brain starts to shut down for renovations. So the brain will start to close off around around 15 to 20%. So quite a fair, fair bit of their brain goes offline for some synaptic pruning, for some of those synapses to be pruned away, things that they don't need to know or understand anymore, connections they don't need to make because they have a solid grasp of the the world around them, a more solid grasp, not completely, but 
you know, they don't need a lot of this stuff, right? And what happens is that that clearing, that pruning, those renovations make room for smarter, faster, more efficient adult brain activity. So it's really, really big. And it happens in the early, early teenage years. Um, and for me personally, I've, you know, have definitely noticed it since my eldest turned 11. Now, there's obviously perks of this brain. The brain's going to start to become more efficient. It's, um, <laughs> it's preparing them for adulthood, but there is this, these years, this period of adolescence where there's going to be uh, some pruning that happens that also gets rid of some useful stuff too that would help make the adolescent stage a little bit more smooth <laughs> for all of us. Um, and so, you know, I kind of picture the analogy of when I go out and I ask my husband, could you help me prune down, you know, some of the garden and I prune the weeds and the overgrowth, but he also prunes away my favourite flower bush, right, or my fla- favourite um, shrubs. And so brain pruning for our adolescents and our our tweens is very similar. A lot of the stuff we don't want goes, but also sometimes some of the stuff that would be really, really helpful to have also goes. So what you might, how you might see this with your young people is in behaviors that, you know, maybe they haven't exhibited before. The big one is forgetfulness. It's like, oh my gosh, my 11 year old, it's like I have to repeat myself over and over and over and over and over again to the point where recently I said to my husband when he asked me why I was doing something for my 11 year old that he's incredibly capable of doing. I was like, it's just, I just don't want to hear my voice today. I am just tired of repeating myself. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to grab that stuff and I'm going to pack it for him. I think it was his basketball gear because I'm like I've asked him so many times and I know that we're going to get to basketball tonight and he's not going to have it so I'm just going to help him out today I just need a day where I just don't have to repeat myself um and I I can do this with a bit of a bit of joy certainly a lot of frustration still but a bit of joy in my heart because I'm like okay this is normal it's okay Carly you know don't take it personally so forgetfulness is huge. You know, this is where they'll they'll lose their jumper at school a hundred times. That's where they'll forget to put their washing out on the weekend and so they've got no clothes on Monday morning. It's where they'll forget to take their lunch to school. Um, they'll get home and say, I don't know what I have to do for homework. I forget what the teacher said. It's, you know, they lose the house key. He'll just totally, you know, forget what his chores are. Well, you've done these chores every Saturday for the last five years. How can you not remember? I just don't remember. Tell me again, mum, right? Um, you know, just forgetting to clean their teeth, forgetting to put the food back in the fridge. Like it's really common stuff that I know that you're all listening to this and nodding your heads if you are at this stage, in this stage of your parenting. You're just like, how, why, what the heck is going on? Why can't they remember to put their bike in the garage? Um you know, how did he forget that I was picking him up from school and get the bus because I told him 10 times that I was picking him up from, you know, and <laughs> this is this is brain pruning. So I want you to, every time you see the towel on the floor, the left lunchbox on the, lunch, on, the, on the bench, every time he forgets something or she forgets something, I want you to just tell yourself brain pruning, they're brain pruning, right? He's in a space of renovation. So I mean, we could talk, I could do 600 podcasts on this, but I just want to talk about that. And I want to share 
the three tips that help me in those moments where my child is just doing something silly and I'm shaking my head or they're being, they're being, you know, difficult. <laughs> Let's use that word. And there's, you know, huffing and puffing and eye rolling and grunting and arguing and lots going on. These are some things that I try to do, not perfectly. And definitely, you know, there are days when I, my regulation is not on point. There are days when I'm just kind of spent. And um, I want you to know that that is, again, human and something that I feel, I, I personally feel and navigate a lot of guilt when I fall out of regulation and when I don't follow these, but that is also the parenting journey, right? No one is perfect at all. But these are some things I try to stick to. So let's go. Number one will be, I'm going to talk about don't take it personally. Number two, choosing your battles and picking your time. And number three, reconnecting, repairing, speaking after connections being made again. Okay. So number one, don't take it personally. I think I've explained hopefully that their brain is offline and that there is a lot going on internally for them. There's lots of stuff that they're navigating, lots of changes. And so when they glare at you, roll their eyes, slam the door, huff and puff, do whatever they do. And I'm not talking about like, this is definitely not like if they're hitting you or, you know, screaming at you or like that. I'm not talking about, um, unsafe behavior or behavior that is, you know, bordering into abuse, but you know, just the normal teenage stuff, if that's going on, we want to remind ourselves that it's not personal. Okay. Don't take this personally. There's a lot going on inside that little body. We want to ask ourselves what's going on behind that behavior. What's happening for them? Why, why, what's happened today to, you know, set that off for her their brain, their brain is offline. I'm not going to take it personally. I need to stay as regulated as possible. I need to be their safe space and their wise space for, you know, when they want to come back and have a conversation or when there is a learning opportunity that comes up because quite often they won't come back for the, the actual conversation. We want to, in that space, really try to breathe a lot and bite our tongue and not go for the easy kill of like, I'm going to shame them. I'm going to put them down. I'm going to make them feel as hurt as I feel right now or annoyed or frustrated as I feel right now. We want to remember that when we feel hurt, we're reactive and we're more likely to shame them for something that they potentially don't understand themselves, for something that they can't figure out themselves. You know, when I, on my not so regulated days, when I say to my eldest, why, why, why are you doing that? He will always say, I don't know. And I, ugh, I know he doesn't know. I actually know that right now his brain is offline and he doesn't know. So that's a useless, that's a useless question to ask. So don't take it personally, breathe, do what you need to do to regulate elsewhere with your co-parent or with a girlfriend or out in nature or with your pet, um, regulate yourself. Don't react, wait. Okay. This sort of feeds into number two, choose your battles and pick your time choose your battles. There are some things that you're going to have to let slide. The wet towel on the floor of the bathroom for the 364th day in a row. <laughs> like, you know, some things you just got to breathe and choose your battle on the day. Thinking about the context of the day and the week, what's going on, what's been going on for them, 
What state am I in? Does this really matter? You know, asking yourself those questions is really, really important. Now, this will this will tie in to your values, understanding your values and your household guidelines, which boys in particular need. Girls absolutely do too. Um, but if you read any sort of research around boys, they need, they definitely need boundaries and structure to feel a lot safer because they feel very impulsive and out of control a lot of the time during their adolescence. So this, you know, choosing your battles will will fit in with your family values and your guidelines, of course, and also what your expectations of your young person is. Again, I highly recommend to parents that I work with that they really drastically reduce their expectations during these years um, of of them of their child being able to do all the things that you want them to do. Okay. We also, with choosing our battles, like we don't want to go into a battle if it is important to us, um, when we're dysregulated. So we want to regulate ourselves as well. And we want to build connection first. So we talk a lot about, um, picking your time, like being really, really intentional about when you're going to have a conversation that actually is important, or, you know, you need to have a discussion about something that needs to be resolved, like their behavior, or, you know, something that they've done that needs to be, you know, fixed up basically in the world. So timing is important. So these are the times to not go in and, you know, pester them and have a go at them or say, I want to talk or we need to discuss this. You ready? Like when you're upset, I've talked about, or when you're angry, when they're upset, when they're angry, in the heat of the moment, before you know the full facts or the story, right? Really important. If you just walk in on an argument between your children and it's he said, she said, and you don't have the facts and you don't know what's going on, let's not be reactive. Let's not shame. Let's not put down. Let's not be the aggressor. Let's not continue this. Let's step away and calm down and then have a conversation. Also don't recommend having any kind of big or important conversation straight after school, when they're watching their favorite TV show, uh, when they're hungry, when they're tired, when they've just got home from a friend's house, um, on special events like their birthdays or special family days, just before people arrive at the house, right? And you don't actually have the time to speak. In the car on the way home from school, they've got mates in the back. I have done that before and I learned my lesson. Um, you know, the, these tired, hungry, all of those sort of basic needs that they have um, in front of their friends when they're engaged in activity. So when they're on a device or they're watching something on YouTube and they're engrossed, that's not probably the best time to sit down and go, hey, we need to talk about this. So picking your time is really, really important. Choosing your battles and picking your time. Highly recommend that you have a think about that and reflect on how you do that. Number three, speaking after connection. So connection, 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 connection. When the the heat is out of the moment when you've had space and time, and sometimes that could take 24 or 48 hours, coming back, connecting, reconnecting, loving on them, lightening the mood, you know, cracking a joke, doing something with them that they really enjoy, making sure that you feel like you guys are back on some even keel before you broach the subject and how I have practiced. And I don't know that this is, you know, this, I don't know, I'm just playing with this. So I'm going to share it with you. Um, how I've liked to connect with my kids in that way is that I don't, I kind of like to come in and kind of name or explain what I'm seeing rather than 
saying, well, you were, you were angry and you did this. I come in and go, I noticed that when this happened, you did this. And I kind of just label it without emotion. And I'm just wondering if you felt this and I could see this happen for you. So I could see that when that happened, you got really upset and I could tell that you were really disappointed because you wanted to go and do that thing that you enjoy. And I said, you couldn't. I'm wondering if that's right. I'm wondering if I've got that correct. And so I name what I'm seeing and I just kind of in a very conversational tone want basically to get to the point where they'll say, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Or they'll say, no, mum, it wasn't that it was this, or, you know, sometimes they don't know, they don't know. And so I find that that, I don't know, I just find that that's a really good way to build the connection again. It helps them feel like you've noticed what was really maybe going on. It helps them to go, oh, she's not just going to get cranky about the fact that I slammed the door. She's going to see that it was because this, this, and this happened. And I was feeling that, and I was really tired. And she knew that I'd had a fight with my best friend at school. And so she knew that that's how I was feeling. And that builds connection because they feel seen and they feel validated and they don't feel shamed. And then what I also like to do in that space is I like to repeat sort of something, share something back about how I felt the same, you know, like, oh, I remember when I had a fight with my friend and that made me feel really, really awful for days. I actually was really, really sad for days. And I remember being a bit snappy at your dad and I remember just wanting to kind of lay in bed and have a cry and that, you know, that's really hard and that's, that happens in life. And so this is how I worked through it. Well, I had a chat to your dad and I, you know, he gave me a really big hug and that made me feel better. And then I kind of sat down and I, for me, I like to write. So I wrote down how I was feeling in my diary and, you know, I went for a walk with the dog and, you know, and then I felt better after a sleep. And so I like to show my kids that the things that they're experiencing and feeling through that cracked windscreen are not forever. And that yes, they happen and they happen to all of us, but that life moves on and you will learn as you get older and wiser and you have more life experiences, how you deal with those and how you move through them. But I want to role model to my kids how I do that, how other people do that um, so that they can learn some skills themselves. So connection, 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 calm, 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 and then maybe bring up the subject by that kind of indirect kind of labeling of what has happened. Now, my bonus tip here is to be an ongoing student of parenting and your children. So learning, equipping yourself with, with different resources, guides, listening to people who have parented ahead of you, finding resources for your child to understand what's going on for them as well. Um, I recently bought Justin Baldoni's book. Oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, his latest book for young men, you can absolutely go to Amazon and have a look at that. Um, uh, I think it's called brave, brave, like a man or something like that. Anyway, um, for my eldest son to read. And so we're reading some chapters of that every now and then, because he also, you know, doesn't love to read. So I don't force it, even though it's a value of mine. Um, but I've, I'm trying to give him some different inspiration and some different resources to equip him, equip him, but I have to do the same, right? I've never parented my own child through adolescence. So I, I've done foster care before. And as I said, I've worked with high risk adolescents and I'm a social worker and I've worked in family services. 
and I've babysat my nephews, uh, but I've never raised my own <laughs> child in this stage. So I need to be a student. I need to be willing to change and adapt and equip myself with lots of resources. So have patience, my my fellow parents and caregivers out there, have patience. This is an endurance event (laughs) we're all embarking on or we're all in the middle of. And so kindness, graciousness, compassion for self and other, uh, patience, the small things that you think, oh my gosh, that's going to lead to him or her being this way as an adult, all the experts and the experienced people tell me that that is not the case and that there's going to be a lot more muck ups and slip ups and stuff that you're going to have to, you know, walk alongside your child with. So be patient. And okay, I'm going to leave you with a little mantra. (laughs) Let me be what my child needs right now. Let me be what my child needs right now. So when you're thinking about, oh my gosh, what is my child doing and why are they behaving this way? And, and, you know, what kind of parent am I? Am I doing this right? Blah, blah, blah. All you can do, I believe, is zoom into the moment, this micro moment and be like, okay, what does my child need right now? Do they need calm? Do they need love? Do they need firmness? Do they need advice? Do they need space? And let me be what my child needs right now. So I'm going to leave you with that. As always, I would absolutely love for you to share this with anyone you know that could benefit. I hope to hear from you and what you got out of it. And as always, I would be so grateful if you could click that subscribe button. That definitely gives me a lot of support and encouragement to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to let that land with you. And I hope you have the most amazing day and I will be speaking to you in the next episode.